your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Good morning, you beautiful bunch of fuckers, and welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, January 4th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. We have an hour this morning, so uh, I don't have much of an open. I don't want to take up a whole bunch of time. I want to get in as many calls and questions as I can this hour. So phone lines are open. Jump in and join me, 855-950-3835 is the number. I see we've got some calls coming in. Go ahead and join us. We'll get to your calls and questions. We can talk about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, surviving the bottom, whatever it might be. We'll talk about it. Pick up the phone and join us. I do think we... um, we are finding the bottom of the freight market. The the one wild card that kind of feels like it's still not resolved for me is the overall economy itself. You know, I was thinking back to the other recessions that, that I recall, the freight recessions, um, early 2000s, then 08. Those had a distinct kind of marking point in the economy itself. I I remember 08 was mostly a real estate bubble, but it was the banks that that was like the turning point. I remember the week where the banks, the big banks started to fail. I think Washington Mutual might have been the first. Um, I think when when they went out, that was the... um, the largest bank failure in the U.S. at the time. And then a couple other big ones went out. That was that felt like the beginning of the, the recession itself that time. And uh, we really felt that through 08, 09. Started to kind of climb out in 10. Uh, but it was also the longest, slowest recovery from a recession we've had, which turned out to be not necessarily a bad thing. We got a, a, a long, long climb out. Um, in, in some ways, we're still really not seeing a lot of those indicators. We haven't seen a big crash in the, in the market like we did back then. We, we're seeing a lot of things that have pulled back slowly. Inflation is a, a factor this time that we really haven't dealt with um, this much, but we haven't seen that big indicator that it's here. We're, we're it's a recession and we're deep. There's some number or bubble that's burst. That just doesn't feel like it's happened yet. There, there's a, still mixed indicators out there about what's going on um, in the economy. But I, I'm pretty sure we've found the bottom. I hope we found the bottom of the freight markets. We are still seeing carriers exit the market, just not enough yet. I mean, I'm still looking at um, volumes and and trucks, and we still need some to exit the market. But like I said, it doesn't feel like we've had that big turning point in the economy yet. I think this is going to be a strange year just because of everything that's going on in politics and the country and elections and 
Also, we're going to be joined here in about uh, 10 minutes uh, by David Counts from Fleet Air Filter. I hadn't even got to that uh, announcement yet this morning before things went into the ditch on me. Let's uh, let me grab a call and see if this is going to work. Uh, I'm going to go to Delaware to get started. Luke, can you hear me this morning? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, look at that. All right. Well, at least our backup worked today. Uh, I guess that's a good thing. What's on your mind today? What can I help you with? Uh, I got an oil sample there, Angie has pulled up. All right. Let me take a look here. So we've got an ISX. What year? 13. Uh, 346,000 miles. I'm going to assume that's on an in-frame. Yes, that's an in-frame. And 25,000 on this oil. Um, Actually, I, re I realized after I filled the sample out, I filled it out wrong. You see the previous sample? Add those two together. The oil has not been changed since I started with the OPS sample. Got it. Okay. And do we have an OPS so it's on like board 50, now? 50,000 miles. Do we have an OPS installed now? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's a really clean-looking sample, especially for an ISX. Virtually no fuel dilution at all. Zero soot. Uh, base is holding up really well. That tells us everything's uh, burning. This is a 1540 synthetic. Is that true? Yes. Okay. Um, so viscosity... Uh, maybe a tad high. I don't see any real reason why, but it might just be this brand of oil showing up a little high on viscosity. Um, all your wear metals are nice and low, except for aluminum for some reason. And aluminum That's is what I was wanting you to go yeah. over. The first time I had called in there at like 25,000 miles and it was high, but now I see it's down and I wasn't sure yeah, is it, alum aluminum something that you can't get rid of out of the oil or it, will it, it disappear with the OPS? Now, all, all wear metals will tend to go up, never down. It does tend to build up in the oil. The wear metals, the particles are too fine, which is good because they're so small they can't do any damage, but they do build up. So really... We were at 16, which is not horrible, but it's definitely elevated. And then we went to 15, which actually means it, it certainly didn't happen more in this second sample. Um, the fact that it went down is, is one point is just not enough to tell us anything. I mean, that's a rounding error, but it does tell us that it didn't get worse. So it seems like we had this, okay. you know, aluminum intrusion and then it stopped which is kind of odd right but if it's not a pattern i certainly wouldn't worry about it so 16 points on aluminum if it stays there or just goes up slowly would be no big deal at all so i i, I don't think that's going to turn out to be an issue but we're just going to have to keep an eye on it the potassium i would ignore completely I mean, I, they flagged it, but it's, okay. it's so low and there's no sodium to speak of. That's just some road contamination or something we're getting out of the environment. So in reality, I think this is a really clean sample with just a couple little odd things on it. Okay. Nothing I would okay. worry about, Bad. but I'm, I'm assuming you're going to keep doing your samples every 25. All we have to do is just keep an eye on that aluminum. Yes, that's my plan going forward is to keep doing samples at 25,000. Yeah, we'll know next time probably what's going on. Uh, being that it's a it's an in-frame, 
not a lot of miles. We're past the break-in period, so we shouldn't be seeing break-in metals. I'm almost thinking if there does tend to be an aluminum issue, it might actually be the compressor, not the engine. Okay. Okay, I'll keep an eye on it, see what happens going forward. All right, sounds good. Thanks for the call. Thank you. All right, let's... uh, Phone lines seem to be working. I guess that is a good thing. And... uh, It's not quite 8.30 yet, but we are going to bring our guest in. David Counts from Fleet Air Filter is joining us. So we're going to go to David now. David, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. How are you this morning? Good. Good. How about you? How are things down there in uh, your neck of the woods? Well, it's kind of sunny today. Uh, Not quite as cold as yesterday. And at least it's not raining. So that's a plus, I guess. Uh, Yeah, it's raining here. And it's cold, and we we don't we don't see the sun much this time of year. Uh, it's a rare treat once in a while, but uh, not very often. I, I was just there at your place not that long ago, and I, I got to tell you, I had a great time. I always enjoy myself when when you're there. There's a lot of new stuff to see. Your new building, your CNC machine, everything you guys got going on d- down there is just uh, just good stuff. Yeah, we we have you know we have a lot going on all the time here. That's one cool thing. Uh, always into making new product or whatever. So anything we can do to try to help everybody out, and you know, you know, my philosophy is if I don't make it, that means I can't make it an improvement. You know, so everything depends on how improvements done for us. Uh, of course, you've seen our operation, how we see and see the parts, and um, knowing that we go from like the drawing board to a part in a matter of hours now versus weeks is uh, pretty incredible. It, it really is. And, and, you know, um, there, there's some movement towards this is in a, in, in a big picture kind of way. I think they're calling it near shoring again. We're actually bringing manufacturing back to the United States. And I think a lot of it is some technology stuff, you know, companies like yours, being able to buy a, a, a CNC machine. And that's a, that's a big investment. But it also really, like you were just saying, gives you a ton of control on quality, allows you to do more research and testing. And um, that's actually a pretty big deal that you've, you've really consolidated a, almost all of your manufacturing. Now, you are almost controlling all of these parts from start to finish. Pretty much so. Anything that CNC, like... You know, of course, I do in-house. The only thing I'm outsourcing right now is, of course, gaskets and some of our end caps. And, you know, we, we have back orders where a lot of that reverts back to our end caps because we're relying on another source to get them for us. And, you know, if if they if they're slow and they don't have the employees to do them, or they can't get the aluminum, it's just a trickle effect and it comes to us. And at that point, we're at the mercy of those guys, you know, where I get to watch what I do in-house. And once I run out of aluminum, I order more aluminum, or I pay attention to the aluminum when the prices are up and down. So I, that's why we don't really have, if, if most people noticed, our filters pretty much have stayed the same price for years. But yeah. we control that by buying our aluminum when it's at its lowest, which sometimes I don't need it at that time, but it gives me the opportunity to buy it at a lower price and keep my prices down on our filters. Yeah. We come in uh, Tuesday, and we was actually sewing some filters up, 
in our sewing machine. It's all about timing on those things. Oh, yeah. And somehow it got out of time. Uh-oh. So we sp- we spent three hours yesterday retiming it. Uh-huh. Un- unbelievable. Yeah. And everybody said, oh, it ain't hard to do. Watch the video. The video is two and a half hours long to retime it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, my oh, God. Oh, when man, I got there, that I felt a, like I was an expert. That is a bad sign when the video you've got yes, to watch to solve your problem is over two hours long. Oh. Over two hours. Oh. But he's, the guy's very thorough, Yeah, and he covers every base on it and shows you how to retime everything. And and honestly, if it wasn't for the video, we would still be working on it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But we we don't know why it's out of time. Or, I mean, because we were sewing and everything was fine, and bam, all of a sudden it gets out of time. And, and of course, they come got me, and I'm like, it's just a, it's a Monday on, <laughs> on a Tuesday, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I on my trip home after I, uh, I left there, I had a couple – couple days, uh, one day I got in a windstorm, 75-mile-an-hour wind gust in Wyoming. And I got to tell you, that coach may be the worst vehicle I've ever driven in wind, and that was the worst wind I've ever driven in. It was everything I could do to get to an exit and get off the road before I got either blown into the ditch or blown over. Uh, it, it was just, it was, so I ended up sitting for like 24 hours in that before I could move again. Oh yeah, it was it was not good. Then I got with wow. that. I had been gone two months. I was five hours away from home, and I blew a radiator line. Oh, my goodness. And it was... That's crazy. Yeah, so on that country coach, there is a pump. It's way up on top of the engine, so there's no way to get to it from the bottom. It looks like you might be able to get through to it through the wheel well until you take off a wheel and disassemble the entire inside of the wheel well and then realize you still can't get to it up there. And the only way to get to it is through the bedroom, which on this one is a total pain to get the bed apart. you got to take the sliding glass doors off the um, closet. you got to pull up carpeting. Uh, so I replaced that pump once. So I knew right where it was. The pump itself was fine this time. There's a little piece of hose that comes off it. It's about maybe eight inches long. It's got a 90 degree bend and it's got two different size ends. One's three quarters and one's five eighths. And you, there's no room to get adapters in. Um, Turns out, luckily, it's a Napa part, and we actually found it. It took us a little while, but we found it um, locally there. I, I was at a shop, but they didn't have enough people. They gave me one young kid who turned out to be really good, uh, but I ended up doing you know, 80% of the work myself because I don't like having a bunch of people up in the bedroom, so I just tear it apart. The crazy thing was, right. it, it, if all I had to do was change the hose, that was the problem. Take that hose off, put the new one on. That was like 10 minutes. Two clamps, slips right on, you, you tighten it down, and you're done. Uh, except it was a 12-hour job altogether. And the time I pulled in to, to the shop and the time I pulled back out was 12 hours. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it was. You know, most of these motorhomes are not friendly to work on when it, oh. on, on certain things, I should right, say. Right, right. But certain things on them, they're just not friendly. 
And, uh, of course, we see that daily. You know, it's, I mean, what you're telling me doesn't surprise me at all because, that's, you know, we get in and <laughs> yeah. have to do a service on the generator, and you can't even get to the generator, the sides of it, to change the air filter or the fuel filter in it. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it, so... It, so. Uh, you know, I'm at that point. I put how many of the big coaches do you ever see in there? The the 45 foot tandems that have over 200,000 miles on them, unless they're a tur- tour bus like a Prevo or you know one of the one of the big tour companies. But other than that, nobody puts that kind of miles on these things. And I, I just I, I have a lot of fluid leaks from things rubbing over all those miles. The only one I know that's like that is you. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I, I know, the, when they come in here, they normally got thirty to yeah. seventy-five thousand miles on them. No matter that's how it. old they are, too, it seems like. Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, they only go a couple hundred miles at a time, or you know, I, I never seen nobody traveling more than about six or eight hundred miles at a time. Yeah. And, so, and that's usually twice a year. Yeah, I tend to do like six thousand mile trips. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm obviously doing a lot of them, and and it's, you know, I I had it in the last time it was in, and it was in the shop for a long time, ten months. I left it down there. We did a lot of work on it. One of the things I told him, I said, I don't care how many hours you charge me for, but I want somebody, I want that thing up on a lift, and I want somebody to spend a lot of time following lines and hoses and and fixing things that are going to wear out. And they did. And there is no, Mm -hmm. first off, you couldn't have gotten to this one to look at it, but I have a feeling had you looked at the hose, it wasn't rubbing against anything. There's nothing around this hose. It just split right down the side. Yeah, it's just, a, you know, it depends on what hose it is. But, yeah. you know, I, we try to use the silicon-based hoses back on everything. It, we seem to have a little better, you know, I guess. We don't have as many problems out of them. <laughs> but, you know, you're talking about mileage. My motorhome, it's got 125,000 miles on it. And you use yours a lot. You use yours for I use racing and car shows and all kinds of things. And, and you're at 125 and I'm at 200. And, you know, even Country Coast, yeah. great company. I love those guys down there. Mm-hmm. But we sat down and we looked at it and they said, look, we, we haven't seen these problems. Country Coach as a company doesn't see these problems. Because nobody ever puts these kind of miles on one. No. You know. Unfortunately, most motorhomes just go bad, and it's not the running gear or the chassis right. at all. It's right. just the, the leaks that occur and, and the, the shaking them apart is, is what usually gets them. Uh, but, you know, most of that occurs from, from water damage. I mean, right. 90% I work on is water damage motorhomes. Yeah, yeah, that's I a mean, big one. You know, I, it's, I, it's crazy, but... Uh, I kind of figured out now, and I, I really hate to get rid of this one because I like it a lot, but I, I kind of figured out what I really need, and it, it would be an older one, but I really need a Prevo. I mean, those are they yeah. put a million miles on those all the time. They're, they're built for that kind of mileage, and it's just they're so damn expensive. Yes, they are. I've, you know, I work on a few Prevos here locally, and uh, believe it or not, they're very simple to work on, especially when it comes to wiring. Because everything's in like a central location. Boy, that would be and nice. <laughs> you can just go to it, and it's normally in the closet in the very back. And you open the closet up, and you remove a panel, and there's all your fuses and your all your wiring is there. I mean, of course, it runs up to other places, but 
and it's all labeled. You know, it's not labeled like, you know, water pump. It says water pump, uh, you know, for bathroom, basically. Oh, nice. I mean, it's, yeah. it's broke down, right. you know, into, into a language we understand and know exactly where it's at. That is one thing that I'm not wild about on the country, Coach. I have got to go to 10 different places when I have an electrical problem. And I can't ever remember what's supposed to be and where. I have like four different fuse blocks for, you know, a lot of 12-volt stuff. I've got a set of breakers in, in one place in the bottom. I've got another set of breakers somewhere else. I've got a fuse block inside the coach somewhere. I mean, it is, when there's an electrical problem, I get like 20,000 steps just walking back and forth trying to figure out where everything is. <laughs> yes, that is true. I mean, we run into that daily. So, you know, most motorhomes, when we we work on them, we try to keep uh, like binders, ring binders. Yeah. And if, if if it's a really good customer, this it uses all the time. So we make ring binders to go in them. And when we work on them, if we find like wiring schematics and stuff like that as we're working, we print all that out and we keep that in their coach. Nice. And it becomes really handy to do that. But it's a lot of time spent it is. researching that and finding that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is you spend about 10 times more time finding the problem than fixing it. Sometimes just the fuse. I just have to find the fuse. Yeah. We have, uh, we've had them in that the, the steps, the electric steps. Yeah. You would think that the fuse would be like in the front somewhere. <laughs> uh, it won't. It, it'll be under the refrigerator in the back. I'm like, why is it here? You're right. You know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. That's you know, a common occurrence. Yeah. Um, but the thing for me, you know, that, that trip two months long, I came down and spent time with you. I really enjoyed myself. I, you know, I always do when I come down there. Um, I got a lot done. And, you know, I'm still able to do the show every day. So I absolutely love it. I love traveling that way. But, boy, if I could go back and do it again as much as I love this country, Coach, I think I would have just I, I would have looked until I found a, a Prevo chassis that worked for me, you know, cost. And I know I'd have to go older. And, um, you know, the one challenge I have, honestly, I, I I, I'm tempted to go back to an uh, an old enough Prevo that it's got a, you know, like a 6V92 Detroit in it uh, and oh, yeah. would probably have no slides because the, the Prevos for a lot of years almost never had slides. But, you know, you know, that's actually a positive in a lot of ways because the slides are a big, big maintenance and, and problem and all kinds of issues. But... Boy, I really like all that room when you open it up, too. I, I totally agree. The, the slides is sometimes um, a nuisance to you because, you know, there's always a leak. They're always coming out of time. They sag over a period of time. I mean, there's always an issue with them. But, you know, it, I think it all goes back to it's like anything else. If you use it a lot and you stay on top of it, you don't quite have to worry about it as much. Right. But right. when they sit... And like, you know, we see this a lot. So people park their motorhomes in, in their garages or barns or wherever, and you get little mice. In oh, yeah. Well, the mice are getting there and they'll, they'll chew it, on the wires. You're right. They'll and eat so, the insulation off the wires. 
Yeah, well, well, some of the wires that goes to these is like the Cat5 cable. It runs a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's just running control panels. Well, they chew that in half, <laughs> and you spend weeks trying to find it. Oh. And, and you can bypass everything and make it work. It, right. But, you know, it just drives you insane. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's a lot of times that consists of my day is, is, you know, I do a lot of wiring myself. So, I mean, I have to hunt all that down, but I've learned over the years, you know, to ask the question, where do you keep it parked at? You know, is it inside of a barn or is it inside of an air conditioned garage? I mean, and you learn to ask. And if, if, if they're keeping it outside or in a barn and, you know, and it's field mice in there, then you just automatically know, okay, the field mice has got in it. This has caused an issue. So. Yep. Yep. I don't have a huge problem with that, but I keep an eye out for it. I mean, we're, we're, you know, yes. kind of in the woods somewhat. So we tend mm-hmm. to see mice become a problem if it gets really cold for us. We, we have pretty mild winters. We tend to stay in the 40s most of the winter. Um, occasionally, we'll have a week where we might drop down into the 20s and things freeze. And it, that always seems to be a week after that happens, I'll find mice in the house sometimes or down in the warehouse. And, yeah. and I really watch for them around the coach because I know that's an issue that can really cause you a lot of problems. We, you know what I use in my motorhome to keep the mice out? They have this little thing you plug in that has like a frequency to it. Really? And yes. And I think I order them off Amazon or something. It was like no money, you know, and I was really skeptical. I was right. like, no way this crap's going to work, you know. It's right. And uh, believe it or not, I've, ne- I've never had a mouse or anything in mine. But, I- you know, mine stays in the building. Right. And I keep it plugged in, and I have those things in it. And, I, you know, I just never have a mice in I may go out there today and may have a mice in it, but you know, <laughs> normally I don't. So. Well, I may give those a shot because it certainly can't hurt. Yeah. No, they're yeah. cheap too. There was no money. I think I got. I have one in my bedroom and one in the like the kitchen area in the living room, and uh, I just hook them up. Yep. And of course, we can't hear it, and they say the dogs can't hear it neither. But it repels the mice. Huh. Well, Angie chimed in, and I'm sure there's multiple types of these. She says she has seven of them in her camper, and she had a squirrel. Really. I wonder if squirrels are different than mice. Maybe they hear different. I don't know. I'd still try it. Maybe so. It's like I said, it can't hurt. (laughs) Can't hurt. No, it can't hurt. Look, the the squirrel, he'll do as much damage as a mouse would do, though. I mean, the the squirrels are are pretty radical. (laughs) They like to chew on everything. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. They could do all kinds of damage. Um, You know. Oh, go ahead. The, um, I was, I was going to tell you, you know, we talked about the uh, cab filters the other day Yeah. when you was here. Yeah. And uh, so just a little bit, we actually talked about it. Of course, we didn't talk about it on the air or anything. We just spoke about it briefly. It's funny, after you left, our phone started ringing. And it's just people's been asking about cab filters. You know, what do you really? got? What do you got? What do you got? Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's just ironic that that's happened. But uh, I was just going to hit on it a minute. On all our cab filters, they're all, they build to order. So, you know, to answer a lot of people's questions, I don't keep any of those in stock. Okay. When you call me, you tell me what truck you have, and then we actually build them to order. Um, If it's one that we've already built, we can do it in a couple days and get it out the door. If it's one that we haven't built, it takes about a week to a week and a half to do. Okay. So, 
you know, this was something that I, I don't remember when I learned this, but it wasn't all that long ago. Uh, all cars have a cab filter somewhere. It filters. It, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. What the cab filter is doing is filtering the air that is going to be coming through the ventilation system in the car, right? If I turn on heat or cold or whatever in the air that's coming out of the vents, it, the cabin filter is filtering that air, right? Right. It's filtering on the suction side. So does it so, affect, it, when that filter starts to clog up, does it affect my my airflow in that system? It, it does. That's what I uh, thought. I've actually seen the cat. The cab filters that we've seen that's come in, I've actually seen them like distorted, you know, because, you know, well, first of all, a lot of people don't even know they got cab filters. I mean, right. Uh, I, you know, it's like it's like me. I mean, I, I have a dually truck and uh, I never knew it was a cab filter in it. And so uh, we was under the dash. I was changing something in it. I'm like, hey, man, this thing's got an urn filter in it. So we instantly made one for it. And I'm like, oh, my God, it blows a lot harder now. So, but we didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I mean, I just never heard of it. And, and you know, on, on vehicles, I guess a lot of them are behind the glove compartment. And they're not as yep. difficult to change as what it sounds like. Everything kind of pulls out. And you take the filter out. And you slap another one in. And what I noticed... Um, was that your heater and air conditioner starts to work a whole lot better. You know, at one point I thought, boy, you know, on a really hot day, it's like my air conditioner's taking forever to cool this thing down. And it's not getting nearly as cold. And I thought it was an air conditioner issue, but it wasn't. The air was cold. You know, if I took a, a, a temp gun and shot the vent, it was good cold air coming out of there. There just wasn't enough of it. And I didn't understand what the issue was. And all that was was that damn filter. You know, that's a good testimony, too, as far as, like, airflow itself. Yeah. Um, and then, like, choking your engine down versus the blower motor you have in your, your car your truck. You know, when it stops up, the, the efficiency rate is enough that you notice that. And that thing's probably not flowing but, like, 1,300 CFMs of air uh, on your blower motor inside. So they don't move a lot. I mean, it is a lot of air. But the the air ducts are so small, it gives you air speed. And so you feel in the air speed, not as much as air volume. But it, it's amazing how th- that little bit will affect the airflow. So imagine tripling that on your engine side now. Yeah. Then yeah, that gives good you a different point. perspective. Good point. You know, you talked about one of these cabin filters coming out distorted and it's because of that one it's restricted and then the air is trying to force its way through that it actually starts to distort the filter itself um, i've told you this story before and i've told it on the air uh, when we first came up with the idea of smoke testing the charger cooler um, that was Robert Fitzgerald and I when we had the shop there in Tennessee. And we had bought the smoke machine. We thought we were going to be able to troubleshoot the air brake system. We thought we were going to be able to find leaks in the air system using the smoke machine. And you absolutely can't. Mm-hmm. And after we bought it and spent a lot of money on it and tried it and it didn't work, we called the manufacturer and we said, hey, this doesn't work. And they said, well, it's never going to work for that. And the, the reason they told us there's way too many... Uh, really tiny openings in the brake system that slows that airflow down so much that the smoke drops out. There's just no way to get smoke all the way through the system to test anything. So 
we're just sitting there staring at this machine going, boy, that was a waste of money. What are we going to do with this thing? We were thinking about <laughs> selling it on eBay. And right then, another mechanic came up and he had a charger cooler to test, the, the traditional way we test them by pressure testing them. And Robert and I got thinking about it and we said, maybe we could get the smoke to go all the way through the intake system. So we started playing around with it, and it works. We, it, it's still a great way to test things today. But we played around with, okay, how do you block off the air filter side? And the easiest way we found was to take a garbage bag, a plastic garbage bag, wrap it around the filter, and then stick it on so it sealed that end. And that actually worked, except we had the plastic garbage bag on a truck, and somebody needed to move that truck. And the mechanic jumped in and started it. It looked like somebody ran that filter over with the truck. It completely collapsed. Uh, you know, I remember that because you sent me a picture of it. <laughs> and you was like messing with me. You said, what happened to it? What I happened? had no idea. Yeah. What happened to this that. thing? Yeah. It looked like somebody laid it on the ground and ran it over with the truck. And that was just from that air pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So airflow you is know, important. It, well, you know, they have these, I guess it may work similar to the same as, as a smoke tester, but it, it doesn't. But like the motorhomes. So they have this, this system that you can put in, you open the wind up and you stick this hose in it and it's got this block off plate and you block it off and you turn it on. And what it does, it pressurizes the cabin. And so when you pressurize it, they have these soap cannons, you know what I'm talking about, where you put, like, soap in it, you're going to wash your vehicle. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you put you put soap in that thing, and then you spray the whole outside of the motorhome, and you look for bubbles. Really? Yes. And it's it, I've actually done a couple of them. You know, it's been years ago, but, but you know, we've had some crazy leaks. And, wow. stuff, and I'm like, man, why not just pressurize this thing? <laughs> so we shut it all up, and we made some little boards. And when you open the window, you just tape this board over where the, the window would be open. Yeah. And it's got like an eight-inch hose in it. And you just turn these blowers on, and it literally pressurizes the cabin of that thing. What a great idea. We just took the, we took the spray foam cannons and sprayed it. And, man, hey. It looked like a gigantic <laughs> bubble. I mean, this thing had it had air bubbles everywhere. You're like, oh my god, it's got the measles. But you know, some stuff you know, like around the windows, you can't seal that up, right, you know, where right. the windows slide. But yeah, you know, like on the roofs where some of the critical stuff was, it was amazing that that you could see bubbles on the roof, and you're like, man, they don't even like a leaks there. And sure enough, it just have like a pinhole there, but. You know, we we did that for a little while, and most people say, oh, man, that's that's all snake oil. It's not. It, right. It seriously right. works. But it gives you way more information than you need, you know, because yeah. you see these leaks coming from everywhere. You're like, oh, my God, it's coming around the slide out yeah. and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, they're not airtight. It, it kind of blows your mind, you know. <laughs> right. It's not airtight. Yeah. So. Yeah. So if it's not airtight, it's probably not watertight either, but at least most of those places air was coming out, water's not going to go back in, like you said, around the windows and that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah. You know, I've talked about this before. The the whole idea of one of these things, you know, traveling down the road and everything still working is pretty amazing to me. 
I mean, as much as I complain about them and, and as many problems, uh, they can be a lot of maintenance. But it's pretty incredible to me that they all they, they work. Yeah, it's, um, you know, my motorhome stays packed and my motorhome's always ready to go. But, you know, I sleep better in it, number one. <laughs> yeah. And it's always incredible that when you go somewhere, it always feels like I'm home. Yeah. You know? So, and on the same hand, I mean, I have issues with mine, too. I mean, you know, everybody says, you don't have issues out of yours because you work on them all the time. No, I have more issues out of mine because I don't look over any of them. <laughs> so I, if it's broke, I fix it. You know? Right. You just... So I feel like I, I spend more time working on it than I do enjoying it sometimes. But, you know, for the most part... My motorhome's really simple. Uh, we actually built it, so it doesn't have all the bells and whistles, and you know that most motorhomes have. But it looks sophisticated when you look at it. Oh, it's a you it, know, but it, it, it's it's incredible that you built that. That's on a century cab, isn't it? Is that a century or a Columbia? Yeah, it's on a. Uh, that's a Columbia. Columbia, okay. It was one of those two. Mm-hmm. So yours is a Class A and, tractor, and then you extended the frame and built the entire RV part of it yourself. Right. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And it's it's um, and it's got more power than you can ever stand. <laughs> it's not friendly on fuel mileage. I have everything under the sun on it. I mean, on a good day, I get about seven, but you know, I get seven towing my trailer also. So that's you know, nice. And it's, yeah. You know, I mean, there's two cars in it. It's it's heavy, you know. So I, I don't complain. I mean, it's you know, it does what it's supposed to do. So yeah, yeah. I um, it, that's really what I need. Um, if I thought you had time to build another one of those, I would ask you to build me one. But I know <laughs> what a major project that is. But that that's kind of what I need. You know, that Class 8 chassis that's yeah. going to hold up to anything. A million miles would be no big deal on that thing. And the way you built that, it, it like you said, it's simple. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles. But that that's kind of what I need. I'm not out there for a luxury vacation most of the time. I'm out there working. And, you know, I see these guys with the, you know, big $2 million Prevo, and they're they're in the uh, RV park, and, you know, they've only got 20,000 miles on the thing. And it is absolutely spotless because all they do all day long, all the time, they're all retired, and they just sit in the park and clean them. And here I am running from stop to stop, always in a hurry, throwing things back together and getting on the road again. And I pull in and mine's looking raggedy and it's not clean. And I'm usually working on something when I get there. But uh, it it is a good way for me to travel. You know, the coolest thing about my motorhome and why they don't do this, I have no idea. But my slide outs doesn't slide like whatever what you what normal slide outs would do. My slide outs is on cradles. So it has a pivot at the very top. And so it pivots in and out. It's like on a swing. So, I mean, yes, it rides on the floor, but no, it doesn't ride on the floor because all the weight is supported in the sidewall. Did you design that? Yes, I designed all that myself. Wow. And so the way mine's set up, I have a gear, it has a gear-driven motor in it. But on the gear-driven motor, there's a there's a hole in the side of my uh, trim that goes around my side outs. Yeah. It's got a, like an inch and a quarter hole in it. Well, you take a three-quarter socket, and you can stick in there, and you can just turn it, 
and run the slide out in and out. You're kidding me. Quits. No, very uh, simple. You Why are familiar this? with how complicated it is to get one of those big slide-ins on a coach when the when it, something goes wrong. Oh, it's it's incredibly it's hard. It, it, it's My, almost impossible I'm, when I'm you're on the you right road now. by yourself. Oh yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. If my slide out quits working, Pam can let it in. Wow. With a three quarter inch, <sighs> uh, about a, a eight. <laughs> what we do is we put um, about twelve inches of um, extension on a half inch ratchet. Right. And you just stick it up in the hole, and you can just turn it with your hand, and she can literally turn it, and it'll just go right in. Unbelievable. Or right out, either way. But maybe you but, should. Patent this and sell it to the RV industry because they can use something yeah. like this. I should have. I mean, that's you know, yeah. of course, you know, I built this thing what about eight years ago or nine years ago now. Yeah, and um, I mean, it, but the, but the idea still hasn't caught on. I, I've never seen one like it. I, I mean, I, that sounds incredible that to me. It, it's like, what is that? Yeah. So, wow. But this, it just has a it just has a cradle on it. It just cradles itself. On each side, and it's like an A is what it's like. Okay. But the A's pivot, so yeah. when they when they run out, when it's in, the the cradle is at its lowest point. Okay. But when it moves out twelve inches, it's at its highest point, which is only three quarters of an inch difference from when it's in than when it's out. Wow. On the swing. Okay. Right. So I'm saying, so the swing, it doesn't, you know, everybody says, well, if it's, if it's an A and it's like that, you know, you have a high point and low point. Yes, you do. It, but I designed it to where my high point and low point works in my advantage. Yeah. So, Interesting. Yeah, I can see exactly how you describe that. And the just the fact that you can run it in with a ratchet by hand is pretty incredible. It's super it, easy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the, the, there's like this whole kit that I have of parts and tools to get my slide back in if something goes wrong. I, I'll bet all the parts and tools weigh like 60 pounds. I got these big bars wow. and straps and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I've looked at it and thought, if I ever had to do that on the road by myself, there's just no way. Yeah. I, I, I need to make a video yeah. to post that. Yeah, you should. Nobody would ever believe that it's that simple. I mean, as you're describing it to me, I'm I'm thinking about that, and you're right that that just seems way too easy. Yeah, it's just on a worm gear is all it's on. Yeah, it's on a worm gear, and and it it has one motor in it for that huge slide. Wow, and it yeah. works the whole thing. And I mean, it's it never binds up. Uh, I have stops that I made in it, so it's got a limiter. Like when it goes in. Uh, it'll hit the limiter and it shuts it off. Then when it goes out, it's got a limiter and it shuts it off when it comes out. All right. If, if you didn't nice. have a limiter, it would literally push the yeah. sidewall. Yeah, right. That strong. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Hey, so. uh, real quick, I just looked up at the clock. We've got uh, Rolling Toe coming in. Mike and Kevin Beckett are here. We're actually going to sure. bring them in. We'll we'll chat with them here for a little bit and get them started. But um, sure. what uh, what have you guys got planned for Mid America this year? That's coming up here pretty quick. Um, yeah, it's coming up quick. I mean, we'll be there. We're gonna have some show prices there. Um, of course, we'll have our new filters there that has the uh, our, our new powder coated versions. Uh, we we're all, we are offering that now. Um, colors, you know, whatever you want, but pretty much that's it. I mean, we have a new filter that we're working on. This this the five seventy nine, um, and it's the 
D, I think it's a D thirty seven ten sixty one is the OEM part number, which that's going to be our F A thirty seven ten. But we're hoping to have that filter there too. Got it. So, okay. Uh, it's it it basically looks like our sixty one sixteen, but it's just a bigger version of it. I mean, if people know what our sixteen looks yeah. like, so. Got it. So I, I would encourage people, if you don't have a fleet air filter, just get one, really. I mean, it's one of those things. We've been doing this a long, long time. It's just crazy to have a truck and not have one. But then if you've got one and you're happy with it, and everybody is, you should call and get the, the cabin filter. Those are pretty darn cool, and you'll be amazed at how much better your heating and air conditioning work if you've never changed that filter. Uh, and then... I know this is, I'm not usually excited about stuff like this. Like, I don't get excited about putting chrome on a truck. It's just never been a big priority to me. I like the truck to look nice, to be clean, uh, to be serviceable, but I don't want to spend a bunch of money on the way something looks. But for some reason, and I don't know what it was, when you showed me that that powder-coated fleet air filter with two different colors and I just kind of fell in love with that thing. And I'm like, you can't even see it. You know, when you put it in the truck, you're not going to know it. But for some reason, I just love the look of those filters when you powder coat them. They're amazing. I mean, it's the feel of it's totally different. Yeah. I I, I know that sounds goofy, but it's hard to describe. But, you know, know, we powder coat the wire. Um, You know, I'll powder coat pretty much any color you want within reason. Uh, And it, it, I mean, it protects the aluminum and it's, it, I'm going to tell you, it's a little easier to clean up because, you know, the aluminum's kind of porous, but with a powder coat on it, it makes it, you know, you just wash it off directly. It's, it comes right off. So Yeah. it's uh, it, And you can actually do custom colors, right? Yes. I so. can do pretty much any color you want, um, you know, within reason. I mean, some of the, what we call, I call it Harlequin colors is where it's like a, a three-dimensional color. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I can do those, too, but it gets out of hand on cost at that point. I mean, you're only talking about a 65 to $75 difference in a powder-coated one versus a non-powder-coated. And that's basically lifetime. I mean, that thing's going to last the life of yeah. the truck. So that, that little bit of upcharge. And like I said, I know you can't see it, but... Boy, when I held it, like you said, it feels different. She had some, you know, uh, two tones, some uh, just some really <laughs> cool looking stuff. And you could customize this to the color of somebody's truck. Um, I, it's just one of those things that I normally, that's just not a big deal to me. But for some reason on that filter, I really liked it. Well, you know, the, the nicest one we have is the one that you would think wouldn't be the nicest, which is a blue. And I call it a Richard Petty blue is what I call it, but it's a blue filter and it has the black wire in it. And it's so attractive to look at that, you know, I actually got them in my office right now and I'm looking at like six filters Well, the blue one just pops out to me immediately Yeah, where the other ones just kind of blend in and go away. So, I mean, it's crazy, but I, I totally understand it. So, well, you know, your, your filter in and of itself is very cool looking. Because it's all, you know, the machined aluminum, and, and it's just a really cool-looking filter anyway. Uh, and since it's a lifetime filter, that's, you know, I, I'm glad that it's not ugly. It's a it's a great-looking filter. But when I saw those colors, I was just like, well, you, why didn't you tell me about this? I had no idea you were powder-coating them. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I've kind of put the word out a little bit, you know. And, um, I mean... 
don't get me wrong. I, I sell a bunch of them, but you know, on the powder coated stuff, it's it's made to order. I yeah. mean, because yeah. you know, most people want some color of their truck or whatever. So it takes about a week longer by the time I get them and get them to the powder coat and get them back and assemble them. It's about a week difference in it. But, you know, I, I still sell more machine filters, you know, natural machine than I do powder coated. But yeah. I can see the powder coating catching on. And that's what everybody's going to want to go to for it's over with. I, I think so. Because like I said, it's not that big of an upcharge for a filter you're going to keep for the life of the truck. Yeah, no, it's not. It's it's very inexpensive in a sense. And plus, it actually protects it. You know, it protects the wire a little better. Right. It protects the aluminum a little bit better. So, I mean, it has its benefits to it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, we, I... I uh... This has been a rough day for me technology-wise. Actually, the whole week. Yesterday, we had a problem at the end of the show. Um, I had a problem on the first day of the show this week. I had to reset up everything. Um, today was just like a comedy of errors. Our, our original phone system just did not want to cooperate. I tried restarting it two or three times. Nothing worked. So then we come to our backup, which we're on now, and I totally screwed up when I set up the show I only set up a show that was 15 minutes long. That's why we had to restart it again. Then I was thinking I only set our show to be an hour when I really should have set it for two so that the Beckett's just could have come in and, and picked up where we left off, except I screwed that up too. So we're actually going to end our show. Then we're going to bring the Beckett's back in and, and they can get started. So, um, Maybe this this is this first week of the year. I, I just want to redo on it. You know, we're we're gonna start over on Monday, and we're gonna call Monday the first day of twenty twenty four. Totally agree. Yeah, we're just totally gonna, agreed there. We're we're just gonna do a restart. So uh, this first week was just practice. Yeah, we was learning. That's right. We uh, just chalk it up as a learning experience. On the job training. After, you know, 20 years of doing this, I still need on-the-job training, obviously. So, uh, but we are we are looking forward to Mid-America this year. We, I can't make any announcements yet, but we might be making some pretty big announcements um, about some things that are coming up, and Matt's will be a part of uh, a couple of big things we have going on. So, uh, we'll be making that announcement soon. We we have to because show's coming up pretty soon. We we've got a uh, for a project this big. We've got to get stuff launched here pretty soon. So we're excited. I'm looking forward to it. The one thing I'm I'm a little disappointed with is just because of everything going on in my schedule, I won't be taking the coach this time. And that is one of the things I love about taking the coach to Louisville is the RV park at the the event is like a hundred feet from the door so you you wake up you grab a shower and a cup of coffee and you walk right into the show no traffic no lines no nothing but uh this year it's not going to work so i'm going to have to deal with a a hotel and an uber i guess you know i i normally don't take my motor home but this year i think i am going to take it and it's that's a rarity for me it's just I like the motels and stuff, and I and I totally get that. But usually, there's four or five people that go, and I have to have several rooms. <laughs> right. Well, this year it's only going to be two of us going, so there you I go. think we're taking the motor home. Hey, if that's the case, um, when we end this call, you need to call them. Getting an RV spot yeah, is not easy. Up. 
Yeah, I, you know, I just thought that's that's a good idea. I'll get Pam to do that immediately. So yeah, I, I would do that today. You know, there's a couple options. They um, have you ever been in their RV park? At the, at Louisville, yes. Yeah. Okay, so you know it's pretty weird. I mean, they have the electrical hookups are all in goofy places. I mean, it's not like a traditional RV park where they have slots and, you know, you've got your own electrical and water and electrical is kind of scattered all over the place. It's just a big parking lot and it's weird. And then the sewer and water lines are actually shared for the most part. You might have like four or five coaches in an area where everybody's trying to connect to the same water and sewer and you got to kind of share it. Um, and it's very possible that you may not even get hookups. You at, at this point, yeah. you, somebody told me the other day they actually had to fill out an application and they're waiting to hear back. Really? Yeah, I don't ever remember that well, happening. Yeah, you know, Charlie was the guy that ran all that, and um, you know, I, I always made reservations. You know, like if I was there for the Mid America Truck Show, I'd make it while I was there for the following for the year. following year, right? And then if I was there for the yeah. yeah at the car show, I'd do the same thing, and I would just prepay it. But uh, you know, Miss Charlie said, I "Always got a spot for you." You know, yeah. Like, and, but I, personally, me, I like to park towards the rock. Uh, area where the lay down yard would be for our trailers. Right. Always park to that side because the, the, it's a little more friendly and it's a little more level and stuff like that. So, but yeah, you're right. I I, I didn't even think about calling them, but we're going to have to call them to make reservations for sure. If we can still get power or not. Yeah, there you go. All right. Um, David, anything else you want to let anybody know today was kind of weird. Um, we'll, uh, we'll do this again soon, but, uh, anything else you want to let anybody know today? Um, just, you know, just quick reminders about our uh, cab filters. We're going to be doing those. I'll have some at, at the show also, uh, in Louisville. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many we're going to bring, but we'll probably bring a dozen or so with us just for the most popular trucks. The, uh, 2599, which is the, uh, international filter uh i think they've been on back order i do have those in stock right now uh quantities kind of varies i mean i probably got about six or eight sets of those left in stock um of course our up and coming shows is going to be you know at the louisville we're talking about doing texas um that may happen this year also which i've only done it once okay then the uh canister filters you know like for your motorhome and stuff right uh, I do a pretty good bit of those. Those are made to order only. They're two to three weeks lead time on those. Um, and that's, that's actually about it. You know, speaking of that, I, w- I was going to do this when I was down there with you and you and I just had a great time catching up and talking to each other. And then I totally forgot. I've got to get you the, the part number for mine so you can build me one. Yeah, we need to build you one. Um, actually, I've downsized those filters a little bit, too, when I build them. Okay. And uh, they still flow more air than what the 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 OEM does. Yeah. But uh, it gives you a little more room. They're only a couple inches shorter. It's nothing big, but uh, I try to have it to where our basic filter, you know, just example, 3518 is a real popular filter. I try to have that where that would fit in your housing. And if something ever happens, you know, if we got a warranty or whatever, it's not something that, that I can just go pull off the shelf and put in there. It's not something that I'd have to go back and build a custom filter for at that point. So. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. All right. I'll, uh, I'll get on that. I keep procrastinating on that. Yeah. Yeah. 
just give me a part number and um, let me know what it is. We'll see if we can get a housing. I may have one, and then uh, we'll get you one together. Perfect. All right, David. Well, we're looking forward to uh, to hanging out and seeing you again at Louisville. It's going to be here before we know it. Absolutely. All right. I will let you get back to your busy day, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Kevin, for having me. All right, take care. We are going to wrap this up, and Rolling Toe will be right back. Um, It's really kind of a weird day. I get it. This is like, what, the fourth restart for the show today? Um, And I know that always interferes with calls. Uh, And calls are light this week anyway. I think people are still recovering from the holidays. But this is a talk show. Uh, Mike and Kevin are going to need some calls. So get those ready. Um, I will give you the number right now. You can use the dial-in button on the app. Just here in a couple minutes, we'll have another show up and running for those guys. And the phone number, I'll give that to you right now. Write it down and call them. 319-527-6791. I know there's at least one person I talked to this week. Oh, you know who it was? I think it was Aaron and Austin when they were down at the warehouse with me, putting together my flow hive. I talked about that yesterday. I think they had a question, and I wasn't completely confident with my answer, but I thought that Mike would be able to help them. So I think I have them calling in today. Anyway, if you've got any kind of tire wear issue, alignment issues, handling, that kind of stuff, pick up the phone, give them a call, 319-527-6791. They will be right back. Just give us a couple minutes and start dialing. Um, and tomorrow we'll be back here with trucking technology and efficiency and whatever technology issues we have, we'll figure them out and we'll just keep pushing through till we get this. So we will see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.